second service. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter number 13. I want to I want to encourage you today. Uh, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to have a meeting at one o'clock for all those that are going to go with me to Israel, to the Holy Land. Uh, there's some things I want to uh, update you on and, and tell you what you're going to need and all of that. Uh, so one o'clock down in the rock, uh, we're going to meet for uh, a Holy Land trip meeting. All right. And then also I want to address, I want to address something that's, that's on the news and and uh, uh, everybody's talking about, everybody knows we're talking about the coronavirus. Amen. Amen. Coronavirus. Now, here's how we're going to approach that. The same way we've approached Y2K. And the same way we approached the last election. And everything else. Uh, is it serious? Yep, it's serious. But here's the thing. God's still God. Amen. He's still God. He was God before this thing showed up. He's God in the midst of it, and he'll be God after it. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Do we, do, we, do we still take precautions? Absolutely. God gave us common sense. Uh, wash your hands. Yeah. Uh, this has kind of made me nervous. I'm not as much nervous about the virus as much as I'm nervous about all the people that's going to buy soap. Were they not washing their hands before? <laughs> that's what's making me nervous. Amen? And listen, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Be careful. Be careful of letting media and everything else try to stir fear that's not warranted. Here's the thing. No matter what, no matter what, I am bulletproof till God's through with me. I, I'm, I'm telling you that. Now, and here's another thing. When God's through with me, there's nothing I can do to stay here. Listen, let's trust God in this deal. Do we, do we take precautions? Absolutely. I, I, learned something, I, I learned something from Pastor Doug about, you know, they say on, when you're on a mission trip, you just eat whatever's in front of you because you don't want to offend them. You're a missionary then. He said, no. uh <laughs> Remember that, Brother Doug? You taught me. I remember that. And I remember that when I went to Mexico City too, amen. Listen, take precautions. Do what you're supposed to do. But God has not given the spirit of fear. Love, power, and a sound mind. We're going to use common sense. We're going to trust God. And we're going to keep serving God and doing what we can. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter number 13. Uh, man, I, I was so excited to be able to get here this morning to tell you I've been waiting on this. It is some good, good stuff this morning. We are going to continue. We're going to continue part two on the, uh, the parables. And hopefully you learned something last week and you'll learn something again this week. Uh, uh, I would encourage you if you missed last week, please, please go back. Please go back and, and watch that. And because and, I went into great detail about really the first part of point number one today, and I don't have time to go over that again today uh, in as much detail as last week. So please go go uh, watch that, and then we'll we'll follow up with today. All right, Matthew chapter thirteen and verse number one. If you're there, say Amen. amen. The same day, very important. Go back last week, and you'll learn why that's so important. The same day went Jesus out of the house. 
and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. And other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know. Say that with me. It's given unto you to to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given or not granted. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for the the privilege and the opportunity is to be in your house again. Lord, this is such a a wonderful place to be. Thank you for the precious spirit that we have already experienced in your love. Now, Lord, we need your unction. We need the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us, Lord, every single heart, every single person. I pray that you'll fill us with your power, fill us with your anointing. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And please don't let me forget anything I should. I pray your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want you to, let's just jump right into this deal. Uh, We said last week, we said last week that the day, the day was very significant. This is on the same day, if you will remember and go to the chapter before, you will find out that this was the day that they said that he did what he did by the power of the devil. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Jesus had been preaching. Jesus had been teaching. He has shown this is the second, toward the second uh, year, the end of the second year of his ministry. And he has showed them proof after proof after proof after proof, uh, truth after truth after truth, evidence after evidence after evidence that he was truly the Messiah. He was truly the king who was to come. And if you'll remember when we started this study, Matthew is about the king and his kingdom. Say amen. He is the king. He has proven himself to be the king from his pedigree uh, to his person, to his power, to his, uh, listen, the servant that would go before him, everything about he was the king and they rejected him. They rejected him. They denied him. There was unbelief. They said, you do what you do by the power of Satan. He said, look, uh, you, can, you can blast him all you want, but when you blast him, the Holy Spirit, that cannot be forgiven. This was that day. Now, now here's what we said last week. <clears throat> Up until from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, up until that day, he spoke plainly. He spoke clearly. He spoke, listen, in such a way that it was very clear what he was telling them. Are y'all with me? To all of them. And, And now, everything changed. In that 
that day. Everything changed that day. He changed the way he ministered. He changed his method of ministry. He changed his method of preaching and teaching to the multitudes and the crowds, especially the scribes and the Pharisees who represented the nation of Israel. Now he began to speak in parables. Parables. Now, number one. Number one. If you, if you will write this down. If you'll write this down, we'll just, we'll just kind of mention this and, and, and briefly say a word and then go to B, okay? Well, I want you to look, number one, at the motives. The motives to the parables. What was Jesus' motive? Why? And the, and, the, and the disciples asked him that question. The disciples asked him that question. They said, why are you doing this? What, what, you never have done this before. Why all of a sudden are you speaking in parables? Look what it says. The Bible says in verse 10, and the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given, or the word granted, unto you, the disciples. Watch this. The believers. Those who believed in him. Those whose faith was in him. They trusted him. They believed in him. They, they believed that he was who he said he was. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it is not, okay, here's, here's what happened. So we got A and B. What was the motive? What was the motive to speaking in parables at this time? First, it was to conceal, to conceal. In other words, he said, that's it. Parables was a judgment upon willful unbelief. He, had, he said, I have spoken plainly. I have spoken clearly. I have spoken expressly. I have told you truth after truth after truth after truth. I have given you evidence. I have shown you I am who I say I am. And the conclusion to all the evidence you have seen is that I do what I do by the power of the devil. Well, from that point on, he spoke in parables. He said, from now on, I'm going to speak in a way that you can't believe. It was judgment. He spoke in parables to conceal Truth from willful unbelievers. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So parables, parables were a judgment against unbelief. If everybody's with me, say amen. amen. Now, I went into great detail last week on that one thing. The whole message was that. And if you, you want to know more about that, go back to last week and listen to it. But let's move on so because there's so much more. Amen. Listen, the motive that Jesus had for speaking in parables was A, to conceal, but then B, to reveal. He said to them, it is not granted. To them who willfully choose and have chosen to not believe and to reject the king, he said, I'm going to conceal the truth to them. But to you that believe, Oh, have I got something to tell you. You see, something, something is fixing to be revealed in the parables. Something that they have never heard before. Something that the Old Testament prophets didn't know. Something that the Old Testament righteous men didn't know. Something according to scripture that was hid from the foundation of the earth. Yes, amen. Parables, parables were, were for the purpose of concealing truth 
to willful unbelief. But it was to reveal, reveal, say that with me, reveal Reveal truth to those who would believe. Are y'all with me? Number two. This is so good. We're going to spend most of the time in point number three. That's why I'm going to hurry to point one and two. We see, what was number one? Say that with me. We see the motives of the parables. Number two, I want you to see the mystery. The mystery of the parables. Let's, let's, let's read. The Bible says, verse 11. They say, why, why, why do you speak in parables? Watch this. Verse 11. When you get there, say amen. He answered and said unto them, the them is the disciples, those who believe. That's the key. You got to get that, okay? Those who believe. It says, to those who believe, because it is given unto which are those who believe. And it's given unto you to know the, what's that word? Mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's read verse 12, because that'll connect us, okay? From who, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Now, this is the, this is the deal. This is the deal. <clears throat> what are the, the mysteries of the kingdom? Now, let me, let me give you a couple verses that were in chapter 13, all right? It's right in your notes. If you have your notes, you can follow along right here. We saw, we just read, we just read verses 11. He says, I want you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Say that with me. I want you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Say it with me. All right, now, Matthew 13, 17. Matthew 13, 17. Look what it says about those mysteries. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear things which ye hear and have not heard them. Throughout all the Old Testament, he says, them fellas would have loved to know and see what you're fixing to see. Now watch, now watch, Matthew 13, 34. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parables and without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. Read this with me. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now let's read that again. I will utter things which have been kept secret Now what were the things he was uttering? The parables. These specific parables we're fixing to read. Now... What is he saying? He said, from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of the world, and let's just apply it this way, in all the Old Testament, all the Old Testament, all the Old Testament prophets, all the Old Testament leaders, everybody that was in the Old Testament, he said, they have no clue about what I'm fixing to tell you. Are y'all with me? There's a mystery. It's been hid from the foundation of the earth. It's been hid from the very beginning. Isaiah didn't know about it. Listen, all the other prophets, they didn't know about it. But I'm fixing to reveal it to you. Say it, man. I know you think, what is that? What is that? What is that? You know how to keep a turkey in suspense? I'll tell you tomorrow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, 
what is this mystery? What is this secret that Jesus is fixing to reveal? Now, he, to, to lead up to it, to lead up to it, I know you're anxious, but let's just hang on a minute. Let's just hang on a minute. Let's see how they thought. Let's see their thought process so you could, this will be a whole lot clearer. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, from the very beginning, I'm talking about all the way back into the garden with Adam and Eve, there was a king that was promised. There was a Messiah that was promised. God had promised them over and over and over and over and over again that there would be a king culminating, culminating into the prophecy that he gave King David. He said, someone is going to sit from your line on the throne forever and ever and ever. Say amen. amen. So this is what the Old Testament prophets, this is what the Old Testament people and the nation of Israel have been looking for. They've been looking for a, a, a king. They've been looking for a king. They've been looking for a Messiah. So in their mind, in their understanding, they have the present age and the kingdom age. In other words, the time they're living in and the time that the king, the Messiah would come and rule forever and ever. Is everybody understand that with me? All they knew and all they understood and the only information that they had was that one day God would send a king. He would sit on the throne of his father David and rule forever and ever and ever and ever. Say amen. amen. So they knew present age and kingdom age. Y'all with me? Say it with me. Okay. So they're waiting on the king. They're waiting on the king. But guess what? The king showed up. The king came, but he didn't look like a king. And he didn't act like or behave in such a way of the king that they happened to be looking for. Are y'all with me? So what happened? What happened? He came unto his own and his own, they rejected him. They received him not. The king came. He said, let me tell y'all something. Elijah, Elijah will be the prophet, uh, 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 or excuse me, John Baptist will be the prophet Elijah who was spoken about in the Old Testament. If you will believe him, if you'll receive him. In other words, he said the kingdom will come. But guess what? They rejected him. So that day, that day, was the climax of their rejection and their unbelief. So guess what? The kingdom, stay with me now, stay with me. Remember, this ain't no, this ain't no movie to go get popcorn. Say amen. That day, the kingdom was postponed. Now watch, now watch, watch. There was their present day or present age and the kingdom age. And you know what? Because of their rejection, because of their unbelief, something was going to happen. The kingdom age would be postponed. And there would be a period in between called the church age. What is the mystery? The church and the church age. You see, what do you mean church? Well, and by the way, by the way, he's going to, the parables, the parables is Jesus easing into his teeth. Because see, here's your, here, here, this is what a lot of people don't understand. Up until this, come on, up until this, he'd been talking about the kingdom. 
He was the Messiah. He came as the king. He came as the promised king. They rejected him. But now he turns and this is the hinge in Matthew. This is the hinge in Matthew where we go from talking about the kingdom. Now we're talking about the the church or this is really the mystery kingdom. This is the the kingdom that is on the inside. Are y'all with me? He's still king, but he's a king inside. The realm of his rule is in the hearts of men until he comes back. Are y'all with me? It's a mystery. They had no idea. And by the way, three chapters later, when we get to chapter number 16, you'll find out Jesus blurts it out. He just comes out and says, on this rock, I will build my church. church." Isaiah didn't know about no church. Listen, Abraham really didn't know about no church. None of them, all the Old Testament prophets, all the righteous men, they had no idea about no church. It was a mystery. Hid from the foundation of the earth. This is so good. But now in this day, Jesus is revealing this mystery to them. Now, let's look at the parables. We see number one. Tell me number one. This is, this is all going to make sense. I promise. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up just like a pizza and put it in the oven right at the end. What was number one? We see the, the motive. Do you know the motive? He concealed it from the unbelievers. He spoke in a way they could not understand. It was judgment upon willful unbelief. He concealed it, but then it's, uh, the motive is to reveal the mystery to his believers. Okay? Then, number two, we see not only the motives of the parables, but number two, the mystery of the parable. What is the mystery? It is the church. He's fixing to reveal the church, something that they knew nothing about. The Old Testament prophets didn't know nothing about. They just thought that the king would show up and establish his kingdom, and that would be it. And he would have if they received him, but sadly, they they rejected him. And now, he begins to reveal something they knew nothing about. In the parables. Come on somebody. Number three. Write this down. We're going to draw it all together right here. Number three. I want you to see the messages. The messages from the parables. The messages. There's eight parables. There's eight parables. We split them up. Two, 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 and two. Okay. Each one has a specific message. Each, Each duo has a specific message. All right. The first two, the first two, and I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to give you the abbreviated version because if we read every single word of every single parable, then, then we're not going to have enough time to, to do this. So I'm going to trust you to go home and read it, okay? Go home and read chapter 13 and read all the parables in detail, all right? We're going to skim through them. Say amen. Here's the messages of the parables. First, let's take the first two. The first two parables are the sower who goes out and sows seed, Right? Then we see the, 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 the wheat and the tares, okay? Let me give you the abbreviated version. First, he says, let me tell you all about the sower. The sower goes and sows seed, and the seed lands on good ground and bad ground. It lands in the, in the path that's hardened. It lands in rocky soil. Are y'all with me? Lands among thorns. And, 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 but then there's some that lands on good ground. All right, and then he says, he says, all three of the first produce no fruit. 
produce no fruit. Nothing comes from it. But what fell on good ground is uh, 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 wonderful. It brings fruit. It, it does what it's supposed to do. Now, they say, what does that mean? He explains it. He said that the sower is the Lord. The seed is the word. Are y'all with me? It's the truth of the gospel. It is sown in the hearts of men. And each one of the different soils represents different hearts of men. And to make a long story short, the first three represent people who are not truly saved. Some, they, they, they listen, they, they hear the word and the devil steals it from them and they never come to a, a belief and an understanding of the gospel. Some, uh, listen, they come into church and they're excited about it, but they have no root. There is not a genuine belief. There is not a genuine faith. And they last a little bit. The times get rough and then they're gone and you can't find them. Then we have some who will come in and because of the cares of this world, it's, that's the thorns that come up and choke their faith and they really had no genuine faith and they produce no fruit. But you have one that falls on good ground, a good heart, a good place, and there is genuine faith. And in that genuine faith, there is a belief and fruit abounds in that genuine believer. Say amen. Now people apply that all kind of ways. But really, when you tie that in with the wheat and the tares, look, in the sower, it's one out of four. One out of four. Now, people think everybody that makes a profession is going to heaven. And everybody that's in church is saved. Well, just because you're in church don't mean you're saved. Hey, listen, just because you're standing in a garage don't make you a car. Are y'all with me? Jesus said, listen, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. One out of four. That is not good odds. That is not good percentages. Then we see we have the wheat and the tares. What happens? This man, he, he, listen, they sow his field. And then the enemy comes in and sows tares, which is an imitation of the wheat. But it brings no fruit and it will choke out the harvest. And he says, listen, we won't, we won't mess with it. We'll let it come up in the end and then we'll separate the wheat from the tares and the wheat will burn and, and or excuse me, the tares will burn and the wheat will bring into the, into the barn. We'll gather it together. So what's the point? What's he trying to say? In the first one, in the sower, in the sower, we find we don't have good odds. One out of four, one out of four. But then in the wheat and the tares, we have an enemy that is fighting against us. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the mission of taking the gospel to every creature and going to the uttermost parts of the earth and winning everybody we can. We don't have really good odds. And we have an enemy that is fighting against us on every hand, every turn the devil's trying to stop the call. What is Jesus teaching them? A, the struggle of the kingdom. The struggle of the church. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. When we started DMD, working with TTI and started DMD, and we started really hard at that, the devil has fought us tooth and nail. Every family, every part, everything you can imagine. And you know what Jesus is saying? This kingdom, this mystery I'm telling you about, this church age I'm telling you about, you're going to fight hell on earth. You're going to fight the devil on every turn. You're, you're, listen, the percentages don't look real good. One out of four. The struggle of this kingdom. Struggle of the church. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, that's pretty depressing. Well, 
Jesus knew that. So he follows it up with the mustard seed and the leaven. I read, I read so many, I read so many commentaries on this. And you know what? When you have five commentaries, you have five different opinions. So what I had to do, Brother Doug, I just had to shut my commentary and pray. I'm telling you, I studied so hard on this. When I got home, my eyes was hurting. And I said, Lord, you got to help me. Now watch this. In, in, in the first two, we find the struggle of this kingdom, the struggle of the church. All right, but then we have the mustard seed. And what is a mustard seed? It's a little old bitty tiny seed, but it grows up into a great tree, a plant that in, 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 the, in, the, uh, 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 in the land of Israel, they would grow up to 12 to 15 feet high. He says it starts real small, but it's going to be real big. But then he says this, that leaven, it's just a little old bitty thing. It's just a little old bitty thing. I mean, just a little old little bitty something. But you put it into a great big pile. And you, you cooks in here, you know what I'm talking about. That little bitty spot of leaven will influence the whole big pile. And you know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? This is be the surety of this kingdom. The surety of this kingdom. We see two things. In the mustard seed, we see the increase of the kingdom. Do you realize? Do you realize this whole thing just started with Jesus? And then it started with this ragtag bunch of disciples that came to follow him. Old fishermen that didn't have a clue. The Bible says they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men. But you know what those ignorant and unlearned men did? According to the book of Acts, they turned the world upside down. Do you realize because of that little old bitty seed, that mustard seed at the beginning of the church, they, because of what they did, you're sitting here listening to me. And there are Christians all over the world. I know it looks like we're losing. I know it looks bad for the Christian cause. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that little mustard seed has done turned into a massive tree. And there are Christians all over this world that are worshiping and praising God today. He said, I know the percentage don't look good. I know we have an active enemy that's working against us. And in the first two parables, it looks bad for the church. But let me tell you something. The church is sure. And in the end, it will be all right. Listen, the mustard seed represents increase. But the leaven represents influence. Influence. You know what I'm seeing? You know what I'm seeing with the micro church movement? It's just, it's just influence. It's a little here and a little there. And this one's getting saved. And then that one that got saved is winning this other note here. We have a young lady. How old, how old is my little hero? Ashley, y'all in here? How, baby doll, how old are you? Fit, are you already 15? Good Lord, you'll be married for long. <laughs> Gabe, get them guns, son. 15 years old, 15 years old, she just shared the gospel in, in school. She shared the gospel that she learned through the DMD process and that she's learning and being trained right now. How, how many got saved? Four people got saved this week. Y'all with me? I want to know something. What's your excuse? What's happening? 
that leaven is getting out. It started with an announcement at this pulpit saying, we're fixing to start a disciple-making, disciples movement. If you'd like to be involved, come and join. And what's happening? It's already infecting the school. You know what Jesus is saying? Hey, we might be little right now. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged because this cause is going to be sure. The surety of this kingdom. It's going to struggle. It's going to have its issues. It's going to struggle. But it's sure. Then, then, then see, write this down. The next two. The next two. We find, we find that the, the, uh, the sower in the wheat and tares represents the struggle of the church in this new mystery kingdom. Then, then uh, uh, the, 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 help me, help me. The mustard seed and, and the leaven represents the surety, the surety of this kingdom. But then, then we have the third. Then we have the third. Now he talks about a, 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 a merchant man, a person who finds treasure, who finds treasure. You see, back in that day, they didn't have banks like we have today. And if they had, if they had valuables, they would bury it in the ground. They'd bury it in the ground. And then sometimes whoever, whoever owned the property and whoever had the treasure was sent off to war and they died. And so it was just there. And sometimes people would be plowing or they would be working and they would stumble upon it and find a treasure. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Well, this man finds this treasure and it was so important to him and it was so valuable that he went and sold everything he had just to buy the field so he could have the treasure. Sold all that he had. Sold all that he had. Then we see a man who buys pearls. And he runs across a pearl of great price. And he said, this, this pearl was so valuable it was so precious. It was, it was so priceless that he went and sold all that he had. In other words, all them other pearls he'd been collecting. Everything to buy this one pearl. This is, see, the significance of this kingdom. The importance, the value the preciousness. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm not going to go into detail. We've taken this and broken it down, and I've heard preaching on it, and, 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 and that the church is the, uh, the pearl of great price, and Jesus, listen, he paid the ultimate price to purchase and all that. That's, that's, that's fine, that's fine. But the point is what Jesus is saying. He said, this church, this salvation, this gospel that I'm telling you right now, it is so significant, it is so important, and it is so valuable that, listen, nothing in this world takes priority over this. This is the most important thing. This is the most precious thing. Your salvation and knowing Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way. He said, I had great possessions, but I counted it all but dumb that I might win Christ. Jesus is the most important thing to you. Jesus is the most important person to you. There is nothing in your life that is more valuable or should take priority than your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. It's so valuable. It is so important. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you, you parents in here with kids, 
You parents in here with kids and grandkids, please don't make the fatal mistake of giving the impression to your kids that sports is more important than Jesus. Please. And I'm not going to get on that. Y'all know he's so important. He's so precious. He's so precious. But then, but then, where are we at? D? D. ABC, D. All right. I'm just checking on you. A, the first two parables represent the, come on everybody, the, the struggle of the kingdom, the struggle of this mystery church, this new age we're talking about. Then we see B, the, the surety. It's going to work, Jesus says. Don't frail, don't fret. It's going to work. Listen, it's going to work. But then he says, he says, it's so valuable. It's so important. It is so precious. Your salvation in the body of Christ is priceless. You cannot put a value on it, he says. But then I want you to see the sermon. The sermon of this new kingdom. He begins to describe, and we got plenty of time, so let's go ahead and read it. We don't have really plenty of time, but we got some time. Look what it says. Verse 47. And the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. All right, so you have two things here. Two things, the good and the bad, right? The, the, the good into the vessels to keep the bad away. But watch what, he, watch what Jesus focuses on. Watch what Jesus focuses on in his explanation. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus gave this parable. And in the beginning, in in the parable itself, he discussed the good and the bad. But in the explanation, the only thing that he covered was what was going to happen to the, the bad. So what is he focusing on here? In the sermon of the kingdom, in the message that we have to deliver, we've got to understand, we've got to let people know that judgment is coming. His focus was judgment. And by the way, by the way, I have read this. I have read this. I haven't researched this for myself, but I've researched smarter men. They said that Jesus preached on hell way more than he preached on heaven. We're going, to, we're going to do a series for Easter that I'm going to need everybody's help in. I need everybody's help in this now. So we've got to get people here. And it's going to be, is there death at, or life after death? Is there life after death? And then we're going to take the following Sunday and preach on hell. And then we're going to take the following Sunday and preach on heaven. Now here's what I'm saying. Some men from the church went into town and, and interviewed some people. You know how they'll do on the street, just on the sidewalk, and say, hey, what do you think about life after death? What do you think? And the answers we received will bring tears to your eyes. 
I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about in a Buddhist country or a Hindu country. I'm talking about in the buckle of the Bible Belt in Coleman, Alabama, where there's a church on every corner. It will blow your mind the answers some of these people gave. Totally ignorant of truth. You know what they don't know? Judgment's coming. And Jesus is saying, in this kingdom, in this age of grace, I want you to tell people that judgment is coming. We cannot separate judgment from our preaching. I know we're living in a day where people can't handle that. They don't want to be talked or told about hell. They don't want to be told about the judgment. They only want to hear about grace and mercy and love and your best life now and how to have prosperity and how to get a new car and a new house. But ladies and gentlemen, hell is real. And Jesus is saying, tell them judgment's coming. Tell them there's coming a day. Tell them there's going to be an end of time one day. My, my mother would tell me and my brother and we'd be acting goofy and not like we should. She said, listen, y'all just, y'all just keep on. Just keep on because your daddy's coming home. Listen, Jesus is saying daddy's coming home. There's judgment. But then he says this. Then he says this in this last parable. You see the sermon in the last two. He talks about the net, which is the warning for the sinner. But then the householder, Jesus looks at them and says, have you understood all these things? Have you understood all these things? They say unto him, yea, Lord. I I, I don't believe they was telling the truth. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Then said he unto them, therefore, therefore. Now remember, what do we do? We go back. And find out what that word is there for. Because of everything he said. What did he do? He just revealed mysteries of the kingdom. He revealed the time of the age of the church. It's still a little foggy. He doesn't even call it the church. He doesn't call it the church till till Matthew 16. But he's revealing what it's going to be like. He reveals the struggle they're going to have. He reveals the surety of this kingdom, of this, this church age. He reveals the significance and how valuable the church is in the body of Christ and salvation. But now he's telling them, you've got a responsibility. To the wicked, I want you to know that judgment is coming. But watch what he says to the believer. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's referring to them. He said, you've had truth revealed to you. A scribe was one who wrote down the law, wrote down what was given, the scriptures. He says, I've given you something, and now you've got a responsibility. Watch what he says. Therefore, every scribe which is instructed under the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Now, what is that? In that day, in that day, the, 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 the main man of the house, the householder, would have a supply shed, a supply closet, a supply room where he would supply the needs of the whole house, whether it be clothes or whether it be uh, financial help, money, whether it would be food, whatever it might be, he would have that in there. 
he would bring out this supply. He would bring out this supply and they would use whatever is necessary and whatever was not used up, he would take it and put it back, which would represent the old. But then he would have new in there. And what he would do is take out the old and the new and supply it to whatever the need might be. Now, how do we apply this to here? He's speaking to the, to the, uh, uh, to the, to the, the disciples here. Now watch, the old is the kingdom truth. The old is the Messiah. What did, what did John Baptist do? He came preaching the old. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, we have our king. He has showed up. This is him. John Baptist was the forerunner to the king. All they knew in the Old Testament was the old, the promise of a Messiah, the promise of a king. He said, but guess what? I have just revealed something new. And you have a responsibility to share the the old and the You know what Paul did? We've been going through the book of Acts on Wednesday night. You know what he did? He would go back to the old. And he would prove, Brother Doug, he would prove the new. The new is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died, was buried, and rose again. It was the gospel truth. And then he would go to the Old Testament and prove the new. Are y'all with me? Now watch how privileged you are. All them Old Testament prophets, they would have gave that pinky right there. To know and have the privilege of the truth that you're aware of. All they had was the, but you have the, and, but watch this. Now you're responsible. Now you're going to be held accountable for what you do with the, and the, I want to go back. I know I'm over time, but I got to go back and explain a verse. Verse 12. Verse 12. Hurry, 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 hurry. Run out of time. Y'all there? Watch this. Watch this. For whosoever hath, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you what it means instead of making you guess. For whosoever hath, that means belief, understanding of the gospel. For those who believe, who hath, they have a belief. Guess what's going to happen? To him shall be, and he shall have more, what? Abundance. Now, this is probably one of the saddest verses in the Bible. But whosoever hath, all right, if the hath at the top means belief and understanding, the hath not means the same thing. Because he just got, this is the same day that they said, you do what you do by Beelzebub. This is the same day that they chose to reject him. This is the day that the gospel hinged from talking about the kingdom to the church. And he said, you who believe, I'm going to give you more. But watch this, watch this. But you, whosoever hath not, you that don't believe, watch, watch. And who would that represent? The nation of Israel. He came unto his and his own. 
the nation. It culminated with the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were the leaders of the nation, but they represented the whole. He said, you who hath not, you don't have belief. Watch. From him shall be taken away even that he. What does that mean? Watch this. Watch this. Let's put it in terms like this. For whosoever hath, that's the church, that's the new believers, this new movement that Jesus has started. But whosoever hath not, that's the unbelieving nation of Israel. Now what is going to be taken away from them that they already have? It was the responsibility to bring the light of God to the whole world. What happened on this? Come on. On this, God took the privilege and the responsibility of being a light to the world away from the nation of Israel. And that was the whole purpose for their existence. They were to be a light. They were to be a blessing to the entire world and tell the whole world about God. And on this day, Jesus took away what they had as far as privilege and responsibility. Now guess who has that responsibility today? The church. Those who hath shall be given and he shall have more. So who's the light now? The church. Who has privilege now? The church. Who has the favor of God to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth? The church. This this book of the parables is incredible. It's incredible. On this day, everything changed. Everything changed. Now from this point on, to the multitudes, he speaks in parables to conceal. But little by little, he reveals to the disciples about this mystery, the church and the church age. And in chapter 16, he just comes out and says it. On this rock, I will build my church. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all ain't going to get all this today. But I encourage you to go listen to it again. Because when the truth sets in, it's going to bless your heart. You're the church. Let's fulfill our responsibility as the church. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. It's such an honor. Oh, Lord, I, I, I could not wait. I could not wait to get here. Lord, I was so excited to share the truth that you've, you, you've helped me with. 